Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hi, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. If you subscribe to the daily show notes, you would see this in today's email. It is a piece by Peggy Noonan in the Wall Street Journal, and, and this actually is, I, she's a wonderful writer. Whether I agree with her point or not, she's one of the best writers. She's also a great speech writer. She's also a lovely person. I I, I love Peggy Noonan. I'll, I'll tell you, one of my, um, one of the highlights of my life, I guess, one of the cool moments of my life, a, a, a kind of check-the-box milestone, is I did not know that Peggy Noonan was great friends with the late comedian Joan Rivers. And I just thought Joan Rivers was was a neat human being. I uh, thought she was very funny. Uh, she was definitely right of center in, in a lot of what she believed. And I just, I, I liked her. I really did. And when she died, I did not know that she and Peggy Noonan were friends. And Peggy Noonan had a piece about uh, spending time with Joan Rivers and I wrote Peggy and I said, oh, my gosh, I wish I had known you knew her. Uh, I would have had someone to, to relate to that woman. She doesn't know me from Adam. And uh, it would just be like tremendous to be able to tell her how much I thought of her. And Peggy emailed me, I mean, back within minutes. She says, as a matter of fact, she knew exactly who you were. She cited you more than once and, and read stuff you wrote. I was like, holy cow. That's like this 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 famous person who is just she she not only knew who I was but she actually subscribed to, to what I wrote. It's just that was cool, and so I mean, you know, we don't always see eye to eye on stuff, but I always I appreciate her ability. Where Joe Biden is at war with words, Peggy Noonan uses words as swords, and she uses them remarkably well today. Allow me to read a portion of this to you. Government finagling and misdirecting, especially in crises, are destructive to the long-term public good. And in the end, they're always destructive to personal reputations. The Wall Street Journal last Sunday upended an old debate with a big exclusive. The Energy Department had told the White House it believes a lab leak was the most likely source of the COVID-19 pandemic. As reporters Michael Gordon and Warren Strobel noted, the department's new stand is important because it results from new intelligence and because of the agency's expertise, it oversees a network of labs. Two days later, Christopher Wray, director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, confirmed the FBI's view that it was most likely a potential lab incident, a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab. News of the virus broke in January 2020. And almost from day one, authorities seemed to steer the public away from the obvious. My own thinking was like that of most people. A new viral disease has broken out in Wuhan, China. It turns out China's major viral laboratory is in Wuhan. If the new virus has been found in the population just outside the lab, chances are good it escaped from the lab. It probably walked out on someone's shoe. Everything in your logic said this. Common sense. Occam's razor. 
China denied it. The disease started with bats in caves. It was natural transition, bats to humans. Or maybe it spread to humans at the crowded local wet market, raw foods, live animals, germs. You likely thought that's probably where it spread, but not necessarily where it originated. You reserved judgment until the smoke clears. But you respected your own thinking, and it will have bothered you that month by month the highest scientific and medical authorities in the United States government seem to be discouraging the conversation or insistently directing it towards natural transmission. Anthony Fauci, we later found, dismissed the subject in internal emails a few months into the pandemic as a shiny object that will go away. That was rather patronizing. People had a right to wonder and were wise to do so. The disease killed millions. It was a worldwide economic, societal, and cultural disaster. Why it happened matters. Where and how it started matters. There could be another pandemic tomorrow. What steps must be taken to see that it doesn't? And there was a sense emanating from scientific and medical establishments that people who think it started in a Chinese lab think that only because they're racist, they hate Asians, or because they're conspiracists. At this, you would have thought, nobody. I think it's because I'm normal. Murphy's Law. You have a 1,000 safety protocols, and one day you satisfy only 998 of them. That's all you need for an accident. And you likely thought something else. This isn't politics to me, but I gather it's politics to you. That began to poison things. Once lies and finagling walk out of the lie and finagle lab, they contaminate everything. Before the pandemic, there had been U.S. State Department warnings of persistent concerns about safety procedures in China's biological research labs. As Mr. Gordon Strobel report, the idea it escaped from a lab had been fueled by U.S. intelligence that three researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology became sick enough in November 2019 that they sought medical care. Why were so many others, not in the government, but on social media and in the professions, so invested in the idea that the origin had nothing to do with the lab? Part of it was knee-jerk partisan thinking. Our political opposition thinks it happened in a Chinese lab because they're xenophobic. Others were thinking diplomatically. Why increase tensions with China when there are already more than enough? Some were thinking practically. If China gets defensive, it'll only withhold more data just when we need it most. Others appeared mysteriously uninterested in the lab leak theory because, we now know, there was something to hide. U.S. funding of the Wuhan lab. The National Institutes of Health admitted in October 2021 that it funded research on bat coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Some of that may have involved gain-of-function research in which a pathogen is made more dangerous to develop future cures and treatments. At this point, we should be admitting that it isn't worth it. It's tempting fate. It assumes constant perfection in obeying all safety protocols. That can't be assumed with humans. I suppose it should be noted here that the idea that China would deliberately weaponize and let loose the virus never passed any common sense test. The Chinese government would develop a poison to deliberately stricken its own population damage their own economy and ruin what remains of their international reputation and the hope it spreads beyond China and disrupts other nations too. Whatever Xi Jinping is, he's not a fool. His government is one of ideologues and killers, not a suicide cult. Dr. Fauci, who began the pandemic as a man of peerless professional stature, didn't respond to the Energy Department report with an air of ingenuously embracing new data and opinion. 
He told the Boston Globe the report is interesting, but we should keep an open mind. We may never know the origin. I don't see any data for a lab leak. That doesn't mean it couldn't have happened. He noted, as he has in the past, that evolutionary virologists have in two peer-reviewed articles presented evidence that rather strongly suggests it was natural. The two most undermined words in the English language in the years since the pandemic are peer and reviewed. Dr. Fauci struck me as a man who knows a few things about shiny objects himself. We close with our usual advice to government. They are full of people who don't necessarily think honesty is the best policy, but do think it is a policy, one of many they might choose. They should always do so, but especially in crises, they have to play it straight. What you don't know, admit. No one knew as the virus was breaking its exact origin. China wouldn't help. Admit what you don't know. Make your best guess. Label them guesses and don't insist on your read, your version of reality. There's no safety in admitting what you don't know. You'll get clobbered. People want answers. Why don't they know? That's probably, they probably do know and are afraid to say, I pay taxes for this. But if you're honest, the word of the government will not have been corrupted. And in time, when you are uh, with your undefended candor, we don't know but are trying hard to find out, people will almost perversely come to see you in good faith. They will see your discomfort. They will understand it is the discomfort of people trying to play it straight. This is the Lincoln strategy. Forge ahead, be honest. Let the entire country call you a loser for the first three years of your term. And in time, as you continue to operate within reality, making sound decisions, and as things turn your way, as they will, it will get out there that you can be trusted instead of the way it is now. It's Peggy Noonan. She's right. Peer-reviewed articles are garbage these days. The government statement of facts can't be trusted. Tony Fauci can't be trusted. He lied about gain-of-function issues. He knew we were funding this stuff. He tried to obfuscate. They can't be believed. They can't be trusted. It undermines trust in our institutions. We know the CDC collaborated with teachers unions to shut down schools and keep them closed far longer than they needed to be. And they lied about that until someone wrote a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act request, and got the information. And we see what actually happened. We see that they collaborated with teachers unions and hijacked kids' schools and kids' minds and shut down schools. And now they blame other people for the failure of kids to get ahead. They blame other people for kids' failures. Like, oh, those poor kids. Look what others did during it's not others. It's you people. You lied about it. You couldn't be honest with us. You couldn't play it straight. You revised your opinions and you didn't tell us why you were advising your opinions. You refused to acknowledge your old opinion had changed. You didn't tell us the underlying reasons why. You gave room for conspiracies. And it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. You abused the trust of the American people. You lied to us. You obfuscated. It's really hard to get your trust back once it's lost. But you know, if you just, as Peggy Noonan said, be candid, play it straight, and tell people what you don't know, if you have some level of humility, it's hard to lose the trust because you're willing to admit you don't know what you don't know. 
You're willing to admit there are known unknowns, things you know you don't know. You're willing to admit there are unknown unknowns, things you don't even know that you don't know. And you're wise enough to know there are things you don't know you don't know. Instead, our government lied to us. They told us things that weren't true. They changed their mind and attacked you when you held on to the old knowledge. They lost trust, and it's going to be very hard. And this administration probably is not going to be the administration that's able to get it back. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had, like, kid sheets, and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet. And the kid was in despair. We got him bowl and branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer. And he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bowl and branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now and... Uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had. And now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowling Branch sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I want to go to the phones, 877-973-7425. Mitch, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call, Eric. Sure. So I spoke to you about a year and a half ago. My question for you that day was, do you think that it will ever come out that the Chinese government released the coronavirus on their people as they were in the big push for the demand for democracy years ago? Um, so now with all the new information that's coming out, do you think that that will be the determining factor of the timeline of the release of the coronavirus? That, uh, that really was the ultimate reason? You or? Know, I, I, I honestly, it, it genuinely, truly, I, I don't think it was an intentional leak. Uh, and, and the reason I don't think it was an intentional leak is because the Chinese have wrecked their entire economy as this thing has spread. Uh, the number of Chinese dead is never going to be known uh, I mean, they've they've engaged in a mass cover up for the number of people. And what, what's so notable about that is where the democratic activity was happening was in the Hong Kong area. And Hong Kong was spared way more than the rest of China from the spread of the virus because they yeah. had already cordoned off Hong Kong to try to keep the democracy protests from spreading across China. 
So you would think if they really wanted to, to harm the people, largely the ones who wanted democracy, they would have released it into Hong Kong. And not only did they not, but they cordoned off Hong Kong around that time because of the democracy protests and agitation there. It started in Wuhan and it has spread. In addition to that, the Chinese developed their own vaccine, which isn't as good uh, at fighting it as the Western medicines are, including the mRNA vaccine. However controversial it may be, it's vastly better than the Sinovac vaccine. I don't think I'm, I'm with Peggy Noonan here. I don't believe that they would willfully do this. Like she said, uh, Xi Jinping is many things, an authoritarian, a tyrant, a monster, but he's not the leader of a suicide cult. He's a killer, but not of his own people. So I don't think it was designed by people in China to wipe out the Chinese population, which it has done. I mean, the the crematoriums at one point in China were so overflowing at a time the Chinese actually said they didn't have a massive outbreak. You, you need to recall this. There was a New York Times story about this. At the time China was saying that the coronavirus was not spreading dramatically around China, it was snowing ash in Korea and Japan and Taiwan. Ash was pouring from the sky. Human ash coming from the crematoriums in mainland China. They were burning so many bodies that it was like snow in Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan. I don't think that's intentional. I don't think it is. Now, I, I realize if uh, you believe it is, it, there, there's a level of by-faith belief there. That there's no reason with you on this. If you're committed to it, your heels are dug in. But uh, the, the Chinese government, they don't want to wipe out their people. They want to wipe out everybody else. They want to wipe out the Taiwanese. But if they wanted to wipe out the democracy movement, they would not specifically have cordoned off Hong Kong, which kept the virus from spreading there for a very long time. They wouldn't have done that, I don't believe. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me that they would do that. I, I really do think it came out of the lab. I think it was total accident. Uh, I think they were experimenting with it, and it got away from them, and they didn't follow protocols, and the whole world is now suffering because of it. Also, for those of you who say COVID is no big deal, if you think it came from a bioweapons lab, you kind of have to treat it as a big deal. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I want to talk, I, I want to talk about a couple of things, but but they're more broadly connected and it somewhat may sound a little repetitious at first. So bear with me here. I am a professional occasionally. Vox.com, the Vox Kids, the left-wing site that tries to explain the news from a left-wing perspective. It's got a piece, uh, Christian Paz is the author, the headline, The Chicago Mayor's Race Shows Democrats Still Have a Crime Problem. Lori Lightfoot made history four years ago when she won every ward in the city of Chicago to become the first black woman and first openly gay person to be elected mayor of America's third largest city. She made it again last night becoming the first Chicago mayor in 40 years to lose a re-election bid. Lightfoot's loss was expected, but it also served as a reminder on her first four years in office and on crime in Chicago. The coronavirus pandemic dealt a huge economic hit to the city, and violent crime surged during the outbreak. 
reaching levels not seen in the city since the 1990s. Because of this and because of Lightfoot's poor relationship with other political leaders, she was viewed as the underdog, just like in her last race. Nearly half of Chicago voters rated crime and public safety as their top electoral issues, and more than 60% of voters said they felt personally unsafe in the city. That continues a trend in many American cities dominated by Democrats. Crime rates rose during the pandemic and have since moderated a bit, but some visible kinds of crime have continued to test Democrats politically. In Chicago, homicides and shootings have trended down after drastic rises in 2021 and 22, while property crimes have risen over the last four years. The city's also seen high-profile shootings, increased crime in downtown, constant media coverage about violence, and heated rhetoric about how bad crime has become by the police union and Lightfoot herself. Those conditions have meant Chicago's mayoral race have echoed local races in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. And in national elections as well, Republicans have mixed success in trying to make it a political cudgel during the midterms, where 61% of Americans cited as a major electoral issue. Now, that's part of the problem here. Democrats do have a crime problem, and there really is a wing of the Democratic Party that is all about defunding the police. And most Democrats don't believe that. And we should be fair and acknowledge most Democrats don't believe that. However, they get drowned out by the loud defund voices. Joe Biden has announced and he's blindsided House Democrats in doing this, that he is not going to block a Republican vote in the Senate or veto legislation that would roll back a D.C. crime bill. House Democrats, this is from the Hill, House Democrats were infuriated and taken aback by President Biden's announcement on Thursday that he will sign a resolution to nix the District of Columbia's crime bill. Excuse me. The crime bill has come under heavy criticism from Republicans and centrist Democrats. But last month, 173 House Democrats voted along with what they thought was the White House's stance that Biden would veto the resolution in an attempt to stand up for the district's home rule. Instead, Biden made the revelation to Senate Democrats during lunch on Thursday and the process angered their colleagues across the Capitol complex. The White House effed this up royally, except he used the actual word, one House Democrat told The Hill via text message, noting the White House issued a statement of administrative policy opposing the resolution and backing the District of Columbia, and House Democratic leadership told lawmakers Biden was prepared to veto the measure. Yikes. Now, he's angering House Democrats on this. Biden saw what happened to Lori Lightfoot. She's the first mayor of Chicago in 40 years to lose an election, and she lost because she was perceived as being terribly weak on crime. But wait, there's more. See, part of the other problem here is that uh, the Biden team continues to mess things up. The Biden team continues to catch Democrats off guard. The Biden team continues in various ways, in public policy ways, to make a lot of mistakes that Biden should not be making into his third year in office. Like, for example, there's the matter of East Palestine, Ohio, or East Palestine, Ohio. 
Joe Biden has it gone. And he continues to get asked when he's going. It does not appear that Joe Biden has any intention of going to East Palestine, Ohio. He has laughed at the question. He has dismissed the question. He has avoided answering the question. And he won't just say no. Uh, Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, earlier today on this particular issue. Uh, Just listen to this. As he left the meeting, he said about Ohio, he was asked about East Palestine and supporting legislation that's in the works. He said, I will be there soon. Is there a plan for him to go? I don't have any uh, trips to preview for you at this time. Uh, The president also, if if I'm remembering correctly, moments ago, he also talked about um, how uh, essentially this has been a priority. He's talked to uh, governors, the governor of Pennsylvania, governor of Ohio, the senators, uh, at multiple times throughout these past couple couple of weeks. Um, that doesn't really sound like he intends to go. You know, it, it Pete Buttigieg dragged his feet on going. And suddenly, it, the White House is being asked by reporters everywhere. In fact, uh, Biden was on Capitol Hill meeting with the Senate uh, Democrats and got asked. I've spoken with every official in Ohio, Democrat and Republican, on a continuous basis, as in Pennsylvania. I laid out a little bit in there what I think the answers are. We put it together, and we will be implementing an awful lot into the legislation here. So that's not a that's not a yes. I'm going to Ohio. This is this is kind of dumb at this point. Listen, I don't fault the president of the United States of America for going to Ukraine. I, I don't fault him at all. I wish he had gone sooner. He should have gone sooner, but at least he went. I think it's a good thing he went to Ukraine. It provided a morale boost to the Ukrainian. It showed visibly Americans are still supportive of Ukraine, even as some Republicans would prefer we not do that. But you've got to be able to go to East Palestine, Ohio as well. You've got to be able to show you can multitask. You've got to be able to show that American cities and Americans matter. If you're going to go to Ukraine that's war-torn, at this point, having had Pete Buttigieg screw it up, you got to go. You've now been beaten there by Donald Trump. At this point, you really need to go. It's tone deaf. And you've got a situation in Ohio where that state and that region of that state have been trending to the Republicans. It used to be a working-class stronghold of Democrats. And Joe Biden is nowhere to be seen. By the way, The EPA has been notified that cleanup workers for Norfolk Southern are getting sick. There still appears to be problems in the area with the water and the land, with the soil, with the air. There are problems. Is that why Joe Biden doesn't want to go? I I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's it. There are ways for him to go to see and be seen. Now, the White House could deflect on this and say, well, there are a thousand train derailments a year. Do you want the president to go uh, every day to see all the train derailments? No, this is different. You, If you can't understand why this is different. And by the way, by the way, it's a perfect opportunity for Joe, Mr. Big Government, Biden, to go to Ohio and make the case for a robust government response, to make the case for more government regulation. It's the perfect opportunity for him to do that, except he would come on the heels of Donald Trump and that would make him look like he's a follower and not a leader. It would be the optics of following Donald Trump. He could have gone before Ukraine. I got to tell you, we're going through a political realignment in this country. 
And in that political realignment, a lot of black and Hispanic and, and working class Democrats are moving to the GOP. They're tired of the rich, white, secular atheists of the Democratic Party. They, 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 they find those people alienating. And Joe Biden is signaling to them that they're not valid, good members of the coalition by refusing to go to, to check out the damage, to see it for himself. He's causing himself problems. All of these things are told. If you don't tell the House Democrats you're going to flip on uh, the Republican resolution, so a lot of Democrats stand with D.C. over being st- strong on crime, they're now going to get lit up. You now got this situation where he won't go to East Palestine, but he did go to Ukraine. You've now got additional situations out there where the Biden administration is making basic mistakes in dealing with the United States Congress. The, the I mean, these are like amateurish mistakes. And granted, obviously, Joe Biden has a new chief of staff. He's got a new chief of staff, and that does matter. But concurrent to that, Joe Biden's been in Washington, D.C. for 50 years. He shouldn't need to rely on a new chief of staff when everyone says he's got such good instincts on the stuff. If Joe Biden has such good working class instincts, he should go to East Palestine, Ohio. He should. He should go see this. He should go. He should engage those people if he could engage the Ukrainians. These are just little mistakes he's making along the way in the run-up. to. By the way, he, he's going to run again. Uh, he, they asked him yesterday when he would announce it. He said he'll announce it when he announces it. But by all accounts, people in the White House have been told that he has made up his mind. He will pull the trigger. And these are just those little bitty mistakes along the way. Those little bitty mistakes he didn't have to make and yet he made. He didn't have to make a mistake like this. But he did. And he could rectify it by going to East Palestine. He could rectify the other by, by well, there's no way he can do it if he vetoes the D.C. legislation. But, I mean, there are so many little things the Biden administration keeps screwing up on. And now Kate Bedenfield is leaving. She's been his communications arm, his interpreter, his, his person who massages his communication strategy. She's leaving. That's going to rock the boat further, particularly when it comes to congressional outreach. You're going to have the Democrats at war with each other by the time this we get to Christmas this year. Now, listen, I want you to go check out the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get a three-pack right now at EdenPureDeals.com. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in my discount code, ERIC. That's it. No ERIC3 anymore, just E-R-I-C-K. You'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three-pack. Now, it's an air purifier, and it's filterless. You just wipe it out on occasion. It's got electrostatic plates. It gets rid of the pollen and the dust and everything floating in the air. How I use it, though, is an odor eliminator. I've got one with me. Uh, because I'm headed out to Las Vegas, and if the hotel room stinks, people have been smoking in it or smoke from the room next door drifts in, I can wipe it out with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV, your travel bag. You can plug it into the wall or use a USB cord. It fits in the palm of your hand. It's a great device. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC. Get three of them for less than $200. News and in-depth analysis from Eric Erickson live five days a week and always online at EWErickson.com. Well, hello. You know what? We, we haven't actually done this in a very long time on the program. And so I think it's time. Let's fire up the sounder and let's play the game. 
It's time for another exciting edition of Name That Party, the thrilling game show where we try to guess the party affiliations of criminal politicians the media chooses not to report. We tell you what they did, you guess the party. Here's the NBC News story. The mayor of College Park, Maryland was arrested on dozens of counts of child pornography Thursday and resigned, authorities said. Patrick Wuhan, or Wujan, 47, was charged with 56 counts of child pornography, 40 counts of possession of child exploitative material, and 16 counts of distribution of child exploitative material, Prince George's County Police said in a statement. A statement on the city website said Wujan resigned, res- resigned effective Thursday. Last night after business hours, the mayor submitted his letter of resignation as mayor of the city of College Park, effective immediately. The mayor had served in the position since 2015 and on council since 2007. The city of College Park thanks him for his many years of dedicated service. Effective immediately, Mayor Pro Tem Denise Mitchell will serve as presiding officer until a special election is held. Now, notably, well, his party is not mentioned, nor any of his extracurricular activities are mentioned in anything. I bet it makes him, ding, 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 a Democrat. Yes! He's a Democrat. Yes, we won. Not only is he a Democrat, he considers Pete Buttigieg, one of his mentors, as an LGBTQ plus mayor. He's a big advocate for trans rights and the like in, in College Park, Maryland. And, and well, uh, he's, he's, he's into child pornography. Uh, now, listen, a, a, lot of, a lot of conservative commentators are tying all this stuff together. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to note that this guy is a big gay rights advocate in College Park, Maryland, and is also into child pornography, uh, has friendly ties to Pete Buttigieg, and the media in reporting all of this left all of that out. Didn't even report his political party. This is just what we come to expect. of If he were a Republican, you and I know darn well if he were a Republican, that would be the lead sentence. The, the mayor, a Republican. Hey, did I mention he supported Donald Trump in 2020? He is, a, is, is arrested for child pornography. Except it didn't happen that way. Happens to be a Biden supporter. It's one of the most frustrating, but also totally, totally um, expected things in the media. That they never want to tell you the party affiliation of someone arrested who's elected unless that person is a Republican. Now, moving on rather dramatically to something completely different. This is encouraging news, and it relates to something I talked about yesterday. Foxconn Technology signed an agreement to invest in India's southern Telangana state to manufacture electronics as the Apple supplier looks to pivot beyond China. The announcement follows a meeting between Foxconn Chairman Young Lu and Telangana Chief Minister K. Chandrasekhar Rao Lu, who is on the tour of on a tour of India, met with Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi earlier this week. Foxconn's investment is the largest in India's electronic sector and will create a hundred thousand jobs. 
this is a wise thing, this company, and it's beginning globally. Companies are beginning to make their pivots out of China. We're going to have to be patient. I mean, the, the number of people who want to avoid buying anything and everything from China, it's kind of difficult. you got to have a lot of time on your hands, and I don't have that sort of time on my hands. But I am glad that this is happening because it is inevitable that we're going to come to serious uh, squabbling with China, hopefully not militarily. Uh, we never did with the Soviet Union except by proxy, and that's what's happening in Ukraine. But we need to get out of China as quick as we can, and those companies that can uh, start building in India, that's a good thing. The Chinese should be our natural ally. In fact, uh, we now know the Bush administration when they left office and the Obama administration came in, despite the contentiousness of that election, the Bush transition team prepared a series of briefing papers for the Obama transition team with their real candid thoughts on what they got right, what they got wrong, what they wished they had done different, what they didn't know then that they know now. It was actually really useful. They just actually published a lot of the non-classified material. And one of the things the Bush administration said is that they thought, given history and given given various ties, that building a good relationship with Pakistan would be useful, and they weren't sure about India. And instead, by the end of the eight years of the Bush administration, they realized that the Pakistanis were duplicitous and not to be trusted, and the Indians were natural allies and a great fit and partner for us. They had a very messy democracy, but they wanted to be our friends. Seeing businesses go to India warms my heart. It's a beautiful country with wonderful people. Uh, I, I love spending time there when I was a kid. And the more we do there, the better off we will be. You guys have a great weekend. I'll see you Tuesday.